Delve into the shadows of the mind with Sleeping Dogs, a gripping murder mystery starring Academy Award winner Russell Crowe. Now available on digital. Crowe portrays an ex-homicide detective unraveling a brutal murder he can't recall. Uncovering secrets from his past, he learns a chilling truth. It's best to let sleeping dogs lie. Visit sleepingdogsmovie.com slash Wondery to watch Sleeping Dogs, now on digital. That's sleepingdogsmovie.com slash Wondery. CarMax is putting peace of mind back in car shopping by putting you in the driver's seat to find a ride that's right for you. Because at CarMax, we believe you shouldn't just settle for a car. You should love your car. That's why every car we sell is CarMax certified quality so you can be sure with upfront pricing that's the same for every customer. So don't settle. Find love at first drive and start shopping now at CarMax.com. CarMax, the way car buying should be. Hello and welcome to the Yahoo Fantasy Football Forecast. I'm Liz Loza. I'm joined by Dalton Del Don. Week two happens to be here as well before... We get into it. Let's talk some pre-show business. Hey, guys, you can still join. Even if you haven't yet a Yahoo Fantasy League, go ahead and do that. You can also, while you're at it, sign up for Yahoo Fantasy Plus. Give yourself a little edge over the competition. You can take it for a test drive with a free trial. All you have to do is go to yahoofantasyfootball.com slash plus. Boom. How quickly was that? Let's get to it. First game, real barn burner, Dalton. I hope you're excited. It is going to be lit. Bengals at Bears, baby. I'm being facetious. Oh, yeah. You're Bears. Come on. You're not excited. Andy <laughs> Dalton, I believe he's the only quarterback in football to not attempt to pass uh, past 12 yards downfield in week one. It's unbelievable, man. All underneath stuff. Let's. What is the point? I get what the Niners are doing and why there's a decision there. Yeah, right, I don't yeah. understand. I don't understand, Chicago. you got to help me out here. What's going on there? I mean, I'm not going to pretend. Well, I think... They're moving from, I mean, if you want my real take, I think that Ryan Pace and Matt Nagy are moving from a fear-based place, um, which is never a great idea, but they're terrified that if they break Justin Fields, who, let's be honest, they lucked into, then their careers and tenure in Chicago are are donezo. And so, you know, don't let Aaron Donald break the kid. Let Andy have his swan song against his old team at Soldier Field, and then... Maybe let Fields in on a couple other packages against the Browns because the Browns do have, you know, Miles Garrett. That's a tough matchup. We'll talk about that a little bit later in a different quarterback who will be facing him. And then week four, la, 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 you get the Lions. And if week two proves right, I think the Lions are going to be a get-right team for a lot of other teams, particularly in the NFC North. All right, so that's my take. But here's my take on Andy Dalton. Like I mentioned, obviously, the narrative of him hosting his old team It is worth mentioning, and we are asked every week to do these bold predictions, and I'm always kind of straddling the line between a bold prediction and someone being like, that's preposterous. Like what you're now, you're just wish casting or making stuff up. But sometimes if you say something that is likely to happen, you know, the trolls like to come a feed in and say like, well, that's not bold, right? So this week I was like, you know what? Week two, we're starting big. We're starting bold. Andy Dalton is a top... I couldn't say 15. I couldn't get myself to do it. Top 20 (laughs) quarterback because, listen, Kirk Cousins threw for over 350 yards last week. And that's another against the Bengals, I should mention. And that's another offense that wants to focus on the ground game and allow their defense to win matchups for them. So it is not impossible when we look at the deficiencies in in the Bengals defense to see Andy Dalton, especially adding in the narrative bit, air it out a little bit. Now, I'm not saying anyone plays him in fantasy, but if you got really banged in super flex leagues, like you had Ryan Fitzpatrick, you weren't able to scoop Heineke on fab. People were just, maybe it's a deeper super flex league. Then I do think for a spot start, if you are ever going to start Andy Dalton again for the rest of his life, this is the week to do it. You do deserve that's an absolute bold one too. I just checked his e- I, I checked his ECR and he is the stone last number thirty two ranked by in the community. So top twenty would absolutely be a, a jump up. So I, I, I like it there. And yeah. you're right though; it's a tough. It is a tough mix to find what qualifies as bold, not getting called out, but yet also what is actual feasibly could happen. So I, I'm I'm with you there. It's a tough, <laughs> tough happy medium. But yeah, if Andy Dalton, I, I would be that would be a fun storyline if he does it against his old team. Certainly, guys with Allen Robinson and Darnell Mooney would, would love to see it. 
I'll, I'll, I'll let me go go back to the to the backfields on both these teams. I wish yeah. I had more Joe. I wish I had more Joe Mixon who led all backs and opportunities week one and more David Montgomery. Clearly, this guy is just it was not a product of an easy schedule down the stretch last year. He's very, very good running back in the NFL. And he looks like a, a possible workhorse with three Cohen nowhere to be found. So I, I wish I had more Montgomery. He's one of those dead zone guys. that's going to be better than that. I, I, yep. I feel like confident enough to say that after week one, that Montgomery's a dead zone back that I that shouldn't have been there. He should have been a tier tier ahead of that. A multidimensional talent. The O-line, obviously a mess in Chicago, but you have to imagine once Justin Fields shows up, there's going to be more opportunities for him because he is also a back who can catch passes, right? So whether it opens up holes for him or the occasional check down happens, because we are going to imagine there are fewer check down possibilities from Fields than there are from Dalton, right? Especially given the O-line. I still think that opens things up enough for Montgomery to continue to be really productive. So I, I agree with you there. I, I mean, we actually, to that point, we saw what sort of how much Joe Mixon, Joe Mixon's efficiency improved once uh, Joe Burrow was installed under center last year, right? He's not like he, he had another team with a really bad offensive line, like his elusivity rating or his juke rating went down, but that's actually good because you don't want a running back that has to dodge all of these defenders all of their time because fewer boxes are stacked because you know, they're more afraid of the quarterback. I want to talk about the receivers in Cincinnati just quickly. Jamar Chase, seven to five for 101 and a touchdown in the first. No slow start. I had anticipated it. A lot of people thought maybe he would be a wonky heading into the season. And he also led the receiving core in snaps. 62 total with 34 on the outside, 25 in the slot. When I think about what Cooper Cup, who is obviously a slot receiver, did to the Bears defense on Sunday night. And I also weigh the fact that Jamar Chase is only $20 in Yahoo DFS. I think that this is a really big opportunity and spot for him. I know the presumptive thought is like, oh, this should be a Tyler Boyd game. And I do think Tyler Boyd's opportunities will increase. But I think, you know, when you look at how much Chase, how much time Chase spent in the slot, you see that like mathematically, He's doing all of the things and getting all of the opportunities and should smash in this spot. Yeah, Chase looks like an alpha and his ADP should not have dropped based on those preseason drops. And I, I personally yeah. did myself a little bit, a couple spots, and that was just silly in hindsight. Tyler Boyd, better days will be ahead, especially in PPR, but his ADP was probably too high High if Chase is mm. a true alpha right away. And Higgins, who got carded at one point, I was so yeah. worried there, it was just cramped, so he's going to be fine. I think Higgins is in it for a big game too. So I mean, a uh, big season too, but yeah, Chase looks fantastic and who cares about those those drops and he's yeah, right away was very, very impressive. And $20 is absolutely, yeah, he's a, he's a, he's a DFS option. Texans at Browns. I mentioned Miles Garrett versus it ends up being Terod Taylor who surprised everyone, I think in week one. Now the Browns are going to be without OBJ for a second week. They're also probably going to be without their left tackle, their right tackle and their center. And yet they're still favored per bet MGM by 12 and a half points in this one. Yeah, I, I like the, the the Browns in this just this spot. I mean, Texans still they're coming off a win, but they still have the worst roster in football. I know Tyrod Taylor played fantastic, and maybe they won't be as bad as everyone thought. But the Browns, conversely, are coming off a tough loss, but they're just so much superior. And I think Nick Chubb's going to go crazy. Yes, really big splits win wins and losses. And this is the biggest the Browns have ever been favored in Chubb's career. So I like uh, to pay up for him in DFS. Um, I, I, yeah, I, I still like the Browns setup here, but it's worth mentioning that once Wills went down last week, that's when the offense really struggled. So they're banged up on the offensive line, but um, there's some depth there. And, and I think they do, they do handle, they, they, they take care of business in this one. What do you think, Liz? I mean, that's also why you mentioned paying up for Chubb, which I'm all for $34 in the Yahoo game. He is one of the most expensive running backs for the week. I like Kareem Hunt in this one because you mentioned the O-line and you mentioned the efficiency. And I know and I feel like Kareem Hunt could get a number of looks in the passing game. And he is only for DFS purposes, $21. So I do want a piece of this backfield in DFS. And if I'm arranging my lineup in such a way, I think that Hunt is a great value. I mean, 61 yards and a touch in week one, I'll, I'll take that, you know? 
Yep, he's a solid solid option for sure. And the Beckham situation is so frustrating. There wasn't a hint of this all summer. It was all positive reports. At least we're known. Well, it, in one way, it's positive that we're told midweek. You know, he's not going to be available. We don't have to mm. worry about it. Last week was frustrating because it was an afternoon game too. Um, but at the same time, it's like, uh-oh, he's already been ruled out. What is? How long is this going to be before he does return? Uh, it's frustrating to have a lot of Beckham, but you just got to stash him for now. And in the meantime... Um, uh, Jarvis Landry gets a boost for sure. And, uh, yeah. and even Hooper, Hooper, Hooper as well, a little bit too, another extent I too. Mean, they're, and Anthony, they're working Anthony, in Joku at the same time. I mean, I put are, my eggs right. into that Hooper basket last week and while he was efficient three of three, you know, it, it, they're spreading it around a lot beyond right. Jarvis and the run game. No doubt. And Anthony Schwartz in really deeper leagues or dynasty leagues, he looks like he's the beneficiary, mm. not Donovan Peoples-Jones at downfield. Um, but yeah, I think this team's going to bounce back in a big way. But I, but definitely the, the injury is piling up right away on the offensive line. It's obviously not ideal. And if ever there were a matchup to potentially be without three of your starting O-linemen, it's going to be versus the Texans and at home. Yeah, no, no question. I mean, the Texans, great, off, great upset win last week, but I mean, against Urban Meyer, and this is still a bad roster. Remember, they traded Bradley Roby, their best, mm-hmm. arguably their best defensive player, leading up to the to week one. I mean, this is the team in transition. It would not shock anyone if that was their only win of the whole season in week one. Fair enough, fair enough. I will say that on Eckler's edge, Austin, who obviously has familiarity with Tarad, having been on the Chargers with him, particularly noted Taylor's athleticism and felt it was very underrated his ability to extend plays and I think that's probably because he's always hurt like we can't this is a bit of a revenge game for Tarad too we should mention you know and it was just interesting Austin said you know keep an eye on the Garrett Taylor matchup because if Taylor is back to health I'm you know reading between the tea leaves here a little bit with what he said but if Taylor is back to health, you're going to see a pretty decent matchup between his athleticism and Garrett's and his legs. So I am going to be watching the mobility that Taylor displays in this one to maybe gauge just for DFS purposes moving forward in the Texan schedule. Now, Taylor looked great. He was throwing some dimes last week. And for, for, yeah, for fantasy, the fact that he uses his legs and the game yeah. script, I mean, there's just going to be some garbage stats to having to throw. Mark Ingram, is that's going to go down as his uh, season high in carries yeah. last week. So, so yeah, no, Ty, T- Taylor's playing, it really was really good in, in, in week one, both for fantasy, but also in real life, too. Rams at Colts is up next. Um, I mean, Matt Stafford looked pretty sharp it looks like the the uh, announcing crew could not stop talking about like what what a bromance what bedfellows McVeigh and staff were and I don't know if you've ever listened to that flying coach podcast with McVeigh mm-hmm. like McVeigh just totally gushing about when he was in Cabo and then he had Shanahan on for an episode yeah, or two and yeah, yeah was that good. was a, of course you did yeah like they were both like oh my <laughs> god they're both like in Cabo at the same time but didn't know it trying to get Stafford like it's a fascinating story regardless it seems to be working I think Matt Stafford took care of his old opponent in a new home quite handily it was on primetime everybody got to see it I think for fantasy purposes right like we love as Scott Pianowski says the narrow passing tree we love Cooper Cup he certainly seems to be Stafford's favorite uh target Robert Woods is still the man he can do all the things he can block which doesn't help for fantasy, but it keeps him on the field. You know, he can go outside, he can go inside, he can, even like he did last year, run in a couple of scores out of the backfield. So are you still thinking that Sony Michelle is in the onboarding process of his Rams career, or do you think he's going to really eat into Henderson's opportunities? Uh, for now, I just take a wait and see approach. Obviously, you can't use him after the usage last week one, but it makes sense. You know, he had just been traded there uh, recently. Um, it feels like to me that Henderson's going to be the clear lead back there until an injury strikes. I feel like Michelle's not going to be helpful for a flex, but absolutely could suddenly be an RB1 if, if injury strike Henderson. So he's just more of an upside backup to me. Stafford's considered, you know, the quarterback's quarterback. People love him. He does these kind of no-look passes all of Mahomes. He's underrated. Uh, what was up with your Bears defense, though? The Cooper Cup had the most distance uh, behind a uh, defender in all of week one on we that one place. We got rid of a bunch of quarterbacks. Yeah, I mean, that was it. Like, they, they fleeced the secondary. But we gave up a lot of talent to the back half of the de- uh, in the back half of the defense, and there you go. <laughs> what quickly? I'd say that the Rams just that Robert Woods. So, I, something to pay attention to his routes were down week one. Maybe hopefully it's just an aberration, but definitely you got to be excited if you have Cup and Tyler Higby. I should man. I mean, with Everett gone, it looks like he's going to be the guy there with a the better quarterback with McVeigh calling plays. Uh, Higby Higby looks like a top possible top five fantasy tight end moving forward. 
what about the Colts? Like the receiving core, congrats to you, by the way. You called it on this podcast a week ago. Zach Pascal, you said, was going to be a sneaky play. Correct. Take your victory lap. Everyone else on Twitter does it. If only I had taken him instead of Brandon Ayuk in so many round fives in my <laughs> leagues, you know? <laughs> well, I, feel, I, I don't think you're alone there. Um, I also think that it was Naheem Hines who benefited very nicely from T.Y. Hilton's absence. Um, he's only $14 in DFS uh, this week. He converted six of eight for 48. He ran 20 routes. That was the RB8 for the week. Uh, that is what you love. Like that stat to me sung. It doesn't look like Jonathan Taylor, who, yes, carried the ball more times. I think the ratio was 14 to nine um, between Taylor and Hines. He And he did see some work in the passing game, but it does still, still see like while Hilton is out, Hines is going to be running routes and working as a nice check down to Carson Wentz, not just Phillip Rivers. It looks like Carson Wentz and he have really nice chemistry. So it's also worth noting that the Rams gave up fifth, five of six catches to the Bears running backs last Sunday night. Yeah, that is the news is Carson Wentz is apparently willing to throw to his backs just like Rivers was. Uh, you say Hines, but I say it was a great news from Taylor to seven targets. Mm -hmm. uh, Taylor had a touchdown called back as well. I, I, very encouraging, especially PPR leagues if you're a, a Taylor guy with those targets. So Wentz throwing to his backs is very, very good news for both of them. Um, I, I'm just waiting for Taylor to erupt. I'm just such a believer in him. I know yeah. this isn't a, a, a great matchup, but I guess David Montgomery had some, some big runs last week. But uh, yeah, I mean, rolling with Taylor, Taylor happily and and bigger games to come for sure for your guy Pittman too, by the way. I mean, yes, it was Pascal last week, but Pittman's still the guy in, in the Colts moving forward. He'll get in there. Let's talk about the Bills at the Dolphins. Uh, who Josh Allen, I have to imagine, even though he's traveling for this one, is going to be coming out hot. Gabriel Davis, it's worth mentioning. You know, he he tweaked his ankle. He did score a touchdown, but he is going to play in, in this one. Um, I really like Gabriel Davis, even though his volume is not particularly voluminous, but because he gets those high value looks like Josh Allen immediately at the top of last year, even though Davis Davis was a rookie, trusted him in the red area of the field. And you're seeing that again this year. I don't know if the, if the Bills are going to be trailing as much as they were last week, if that was a bit of an aberration, if TJ Watt just like like took his bag and like busted it over Allen's head. And so we're not going to see Allen like press as much, but you still have to imagine that like, this is an offense that's going to pass a lot because of the play caller behind it. And I'm, I don't know about you, but I'm getting like a lot of Beasley questions because of that. Beasley 13 targets. Well, I wonder what the questions are. I mean, you have to like that. I mean, I've made the touchdowns out there or the yardage, but uh, man, he's just going to be an underneath slot machine all, all year long, as long as he's healthy. So Josh Allen is definitely an obvious uh, regression candidate. There's been columns written about it. I mean, anyone who takes that big of a leap as he did last year in completion percentage, I mean, is bound to. I remember last year, week one, he missed two wide open touchdowns as well. He really did miss Emmanuel Sanders. Uh, Sanders probably had flashbacks of my guy Jimmy G in the Super Bowl wide open for a 50-yard touchdown, and Allen just flat out missed them. But whatever, it's one game against a really, really good Pittsburgh defense. So uh, I expect him to bounce back uh, this week. Uh, I'm, I'm still a believer in Allen being a, you know, a top two fantasy QB over the rest of the season. Or am I, or is there some concern here, uh, Liz? Because, you know, last year was such, such a huge, huge, you know, huge jump. I, I don't think, I mean, I think we have to like wait and see. Like last week, the Bills entered that competition, I think as six and a half point favorites. This week, they're favorited by three and a half. That seems like a, I agree with that adjustment. If they struggle against the Dolphins on the road, I'm more concerned now. I think, you know, when you mentioned Beasley, the, I think the question is, like, are they going to be down that much that Beasley is going to be, for PPR purposes, involved enough that it makes him fantasy relevant? But in this particular scenario, his matchup against Nick in the slot is certainly the best of the three, so I wouldn't mind using him again. Let's talk about the Dolphins for a second because Will Fuller is technically back, but he mispracticed on Thursday. No reported reason, at least at the time of this recording, as to why, other than it's Will Fuller. Last week, we saw Jalen Waddell actually not just like, I want to be very clear about this. Jalen Waddell didn't just score a touchdown, right? This wasn't on two targets and he found the end zone. He was second in team targets tied with Miles Gaskin for five and managed to score Tredavious White, probably going to follow Devontae Parker. I was encouraged, and I said this on the pod with Matt on Sunday night, that Tua had the bravery to target Parker last week. So that's an evolution. But with the coverage, 
he's probably not going to see that many looks. And that means, especially if Will Fuller doesn't play or is rusty or doesn't have rapport with, with Tua, well, Waddle could be in play again. He's only $17 in our Yahoo DFS game. And he's in that like wide receiver three category for me. I wanted to uh, add on to the Beasley thing that the Bills, dating back to the second half of last season, they've been number one in neutral pass rate. That's to say, just throw, 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 man. You got, I expect the targets to be, no matter the game script, I, I love it. This Dable puts the foot to, on the gas. Uh, uh, Waddle passed the eye test. Uh, he, uh, I believe he did have a drop, but still, like working out of the slot, moving him around. Uh, I, I, I was impressed. Um, Mike Kosicki, sorry, just quickly, man, it's too bad. His, his, his usage was not encouraging at all. He's a, a drop candidate. Um, Devontae Parker was up there in their air yards uh, shares, but now with Fuller possibly returning, all bets are off. Um, I don't know what's going to happen there. As you said, Fuller is missing practice, so who knows? But Waddle, I'm with you. I would use him in DFS if you, if you want to. He looks like the real deal to me. The Patriots are traveling to the Jets in week two. The Jets get a little bit of a boost. Jamison Crowder is off the COVID list, so he's expecting to return. But do we do we really care? I mean, is it is it useful knowledge because we know that uh, the left tackle Becton is on IR with the torn MCL, so maybe there's some check down dink and dunk opportunities. Does it negatively affect Elijah Moore anymore? What what are your? I don't really think any of those players are fantasy. I mean, if you're using Jamison Crowder in week two, you got bigger problems. Yeah, and Elijah Moore last week, so I, I'm you, speaking of drops, man, he dropped a perfectly yeah. grown 50-yarder. There's still just $10 in DFS, and man, that preseason hype was so strong. I am, I mean, I'm kind of uh, tempted to use him myself, but I, obviously he's a rookie who's just coming off a negative, he finished with negative yards last week, and Corey Davis looks like the number one guy there. But um, uh, he's capable of playing the slot or outside, so I don't think Crowder's availability is going to, you know, affect me too much there as far as Lamijah Moore is a you know a, a dart throw in a tournament play. Um, but man, Corey Davis looks like a a, a nice though a guy. If you got him in, in fantasy, you're, you're you're certainly happy with with the usage there. And then the backfield just looks like a, a mess as expected. Well, let's talk about backfields because it's not the Jets that is potentially. We know the Jets are a mess. Fine, fine, fine. Uh, no, you no. and I <laughs> may have been the pres- co presidents of the Damian Harris fan club. Heading into this season, uh, reports that he could have a, quote, reduced role because of that end zone, red zone fumble last week that, let's be honest, like, lost in the game. And now there are some whispers that J.J. Taylor, who, by the way, J.J. Taylor, who was a healthy scratch in week one, so if you don't know his name, don't feel bad. He is rostered in, not you, Dalton, I mean our listeners. He is rostered in just 1% of Yahoo League's. But do you want to know who grabbed him off waivers in a league that we're both in? You? Nope. Andy Barron's, of course. That oh. He is the sneakiest treasure loaf I have ever dealt of with. Yeah. Like, if there is a player that I'm like, uh-huh, I, got, I write the sleepers column for us. I'm going fine. I got this. That Nope. It's always like, oh, sorry, <laughs> rostered, secret treasure loaf, Andy Barron's. Regardless, J.J. Taylor. So this gets – let's just tell everyone about him so that they can – maybe think about it. He's like a smaller guy, 5'5", 185, pretty quick, like not a second or third gear. I went back and watched a little bit of his tape. He went to Arizona undrafted free agent uh, in 2020 out of there, but he can like get through a crease. He can get quote skinny through the hole, if you will. It's hard to imagine that Bill Belichick is going to use this opportunity to like teach Harris a lesson, if you will, when the other rookie Ramondre Stevenson also fumbled, right? I mean, I guess the Patriots are favored by six. So maybe if they get into a comfortable position, as Vegas is expecting they will be, then Harris will take a backseat and Taylor could get some run. But that's the only scenario that I see this like really affecting Harris. Yeah, with that offensive line in New York, could get overwhelmed by the Patriots' defense and the game script could just you know call for a bunch of runs. I would add JJ Taylor in deeper leagues because even because Mike Reese reported this week he's pretty tuned in New England that Damian Harris could see a reduced role, but who knows if that was just conjecture. Uh, quick story for you, Liz. Um, I, the first half of, of, of draft season, I was going after A.J. Dillon, but the second half, the guys I was targeting after round five, the running backs that I was going after were Ronald Jones and Damian Harris. Who both lose fumbles and lost their jobs. I mean, possibly right away. I mean, it's just laugh. Uh, I mean, I think the first and only time I've texted Matt Harmon was on that Thursday night uh, lost fumble because I was hyping up on the pod about Ronald Jones. Dude loses a fumble and doesn't see the field again. And Damian Harris, you said it, cost him the game. 
And now, yeah. but it's okay though, Liz. In the leagues I got Damian Harris, at least I backed him up with Ramondre Stevenson, right? Because if, <laughs> if Harris doesn't love it, he's like, no, he got mothballed too because he lost a fumble. And now it probably is going to be a lot of JJ Taylor and Brandon Bolden, let's not forget, exists too. Sure. So I'm still a Damian Harris believer. He was really good before the fumble. And that team is still built to run with defense and an offensive line. But man, the, the lost fumbles, it was just super annoying. I mean, you know, yeah. injuries are going to happen. Uh, coaches now, who knows? We're just at the, the 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 whim of what Bill Belichick decides. It's tough, but obviously the matchup looks good against the Jets. So what are you going to do? You get him, yeah. roll him out there, and hope for the best. This was the year where everyone would roll. Like when people would say, "Well, you can't trust a New England running back," I'd roll my eyes and I'd be like, "You guys are stuck in the past." Like this is a new era. You don't know anything. This happens. But then also to that point, I feel like the you can't trust a blank running back. Now is you can't trust a Kyle Shanahan running back. I want to talk about the 49ers at the Eagles. You and Matt mentioned when you talk about, you know, talking to Matt and hyping your guys and texting him, you talked about, I think you opened probably the whole Tuesday pod with the 49ers um, talking about the 49ers. And you had a, a bunch of amazing stats. It was the stat nerd pod. It just got even more complicated though, Dalton. Like Trenton Cannon is now here after a one-week stint with the Ravens. No, I think that's just special teams. And uh, I mean, I'm, I know Hasty got picked up in a lot of leagues for some money, actually. That was uh, all you. You were missed, the person he, who manifested he, that, by the way. You were the one who created yep. everybody to like, I feel like it was you, Dalton. Everybody listened to you and they went and picked up Hasty. It was I'm not yeah, out there I, telling yeah. people to pick up Hasty. But I'm saying this just in this last Wednesday night NFFC run, Hasty went for some good amount of money and he whiffed on three blocks. And he might, don't be shocked if he's inactive this week. I mean, of course, also don't be shocked if he leads a team in carries. But I mean, it's definitely shenanigans. I get it. It's it, it's unpredictable. But what I'm thinking is, is Gallman was released. Hasty just looked horrible in pass protection. Uh, Sermon is apparently in the doghouse. Mostert is out for the whole season. Yeah. Yes, Jeff Wilson will eventually return. But remember all that talk about how the Niners having a dream fantasy football playoff schedule? That still exists. So even if you're frustrated with Mitchell, you pick him up and he flops this week. If you have the starting running back, you know, down the stretch on the Niners, that's just going to be, you know, a top 15 type option. So I think Mitchell was worth blowing the fab for. He went for upwards of $900 in a lot of these leagues I was in with a thousand uh, max. He went for a hundred max. I, I in leagues are still for, for, uh, first come first serve a- afterward. I was willing to go a hundred percent for him. Uh, again, it's almost certainly unlikely to work out, but if it does, it's like league winning upside. And this guy looks like a mini Mostert. And Sermon, by the way, can't really fill that role. I mean, for, he was a kind of a weird draft pick to begin with because he's not nearly as fast as Mostert or all the other backs they, they've had in the past. You know, from Brita on, and he has a big, big time injury risk. Even if Sermon gets out of the doghouse, which I'm sure he will soon enough. Big, big, big injury red flag. So, uh, you know, big workout metrics for Mitchell. We'll see. Okay. I, I agree. We'll see. I, to be honest, I haven't been, th- if people have asked, I've given them my answer, but like I sort of stayed away from all of San Francisco. Ayuk, the backfield. I did, I did, well I will admit, stump for Trey Sermon. I was really excited for him. I like his skill set. He was my number five rookie heading into the draft. And when Shanahan traded up for him, I was like, all right, let's go. And then, when Jeff Wilson was lost till midseason, basically, I was like, this has got to be it. So I didn't see the scratch coming. I don't think anyone did. Um, I do still think there's an opportunity for him. It is worth noting that Ayuk is a full participant in practice. It doesn't matter, like, why. Also, guys, like, his hamstring, there was a rumor that he, like, broke curfew. There was a rumor he didn't, like, do well enough. Like, whatever it is, he wasn't on the field. And as far as I'm concerned, well, let me ask you, are you – even as a 49ers homer, if you have equivalent options, are you benching Ayuk or are you starting him this week? Noting that he was benching a full him. participant. Okay, so yeah, we're on no, the same page. Like, I, uh, this yeah, is a wait no, and see for see me. If, yeah, no, I mean, I'll give you Mitchell's upside, but I will definitely give you Ayuk's downside right now. No, I, it's a wait and see approach at this point. I have him 50 for this week. No, I, yeah, no, I have him 50 for this week. I, I Every league I have him in, which is admittedly plenty, I think I've, I've gone to a different alternative. MVSs of the world, you're going to laugh at me. Fourth and air yards last week. Um, I think he's safer than, than Ayuk. I don't have any clue the amount of reps he's going to get. He was running behind, uh, sure what was field. his name? Cray, no, but no, no. I mean, in this last, uh, like in this last practice, Craig, Craig Craw 
River Craycraw or something is his name. He was running behind in practice. So I, I really think it's a, it's one of those you have to have a prove it game before you you you, you play Ayuk. I, uh, I mean, I, people with his pedigree, his pedigree, and what he did his rookie season, they do they ninety nine percent of the time they turn into superstars. They don't disappear. So don't even think about dropping him. But Shanahan is what he is, and with the hamstring issue and with the, the practice reports being, yeah, I, I hear you that he's practicing fully, but he's also other reports saying he's running, you know, sixth receiver. So I think the safest move is to bench him. I mean, there's also a volume issue that no one wanted to talk about over no. the summer. Like everyone wants to talk about what a like what an am- amazing like zone schemes Shanahan runs and how that's so great for for running and how with Trey, the, clearly the focus was going to be the ground game, but. You only had Kittle and Debo and Ayuk, I believe, healthy for like three or four games total last season. And Ayuk's targets weren't great in those in those outings. So I think there's a volume issue as well. So until everything, until the chips fall, I agree that you don't you can't release him. But he's in a wait and see for me. I think, though, if we're talking about prove it situations, Kenneth Gainwell is on his way to proving it. He's also only $14 in our Yahoo uh, game. He outsnapped Boston Scott in the opener and he logged just eight fewer touches than miles sanders the 49ers got run over by detroit's backs by the way i did not see deandre swift and jamal williams being the rb4 and five respectively out after week one like mind blow for that and so uh, you know that was 16 just through the air san francisco gave up 16 catches and 120 receiving yards to the lions backfield the 90 plays helped with the onsider and the lost fumble, but, uh, and I think Swift's going to be a monster too. But yeah, there could be opportunities again this week. And Miles Sanders was so bad as a receiver last season. Gainwell's going to be a thing, and he's going to be a real thing if Sanders goes down too. I mean, there's big time upside there. Um, yeah, he, he looks very impressive. And uh, I'm going to give Laz a hard time until Jalen Hurts' price goes up from $26, man. I mean, he should be one of the top five fantasy QBs, regardless of opponent. And he looks so so different. Last year, he threw he averaged the the, uh, the average the highest uh, intended air yards uh, of all QBs. Uh, week one, it was the shortest. So the new coaching staff completely flipped the script, changed the game plan, and he remained obviously a threat on the ground. So love, love Jalen Hurts. Over under 45 rushing yards for Jalen Hurts. Over. I think he's yeah. ran sec- attempted the second most rushing yards behind only Lamar since taking over QB among QBs. So, yeah, over. I haven't forecasted for 48 rushing yards. Maybe I should have asked you 50. Love it. <laughs> Let's Love move it. on <laughs> to the Raiders at the Steelers. This week, the Steelers enter as favorites. They obviously were not last week. But let's start with the Raiders because they were the team we last saw since they had the primetime effort. Uh, Josh Jacobs, we saw him changing his toes against the Ravens on Monday night, right? Or I mean, we saw him changing his shoes on Monday night against the Ravens. He's still dealing with the toe and ankle issues. He's probably going to play, but he did skip practice on Wednesday and Thursday. It is a short week, so that's some concern. Um, Also, the Steelers, pretty good defense. Um, I I just don't see like a lot of... uh, Right now, the over-under in this game is set at 47. I will take the under on that unless the Steelers just go ham, which I also don't really expect. I think that they're going to lean on the run game. I think this is a nice bounce-back spot for... Or maybe an announcement spot, if you will, for Najee Harris. TJ Watt is just going to keep, I just think he's going to continue to go ham, especially when you note all of the injuries that, look, the Raiders O-line was already deficient, was already not good. And then they got beat up on Monday night. And now you've got TJ Watt in there. I just don't see how the Raiders are going to put up any points. Yeah, that defense looks so, so good. Uh, it's perfect segue to talking about over-unders because uh, you brought up to our guy, your guy, Eckler. And Najee Harris, he was right. I was wrong. Yeah. I was way under on Najee Harris's debut. Uh, but yes, as you may have heard, he was the only running back to play 100% of the snaps. So yeah. better days ahead, but uh, rough, though. He got hit on the backfield, like before the behind line of scrimmage, more, most any back, too. But yeah, this defense looks like a, a stay away, if, if possible, in tiebreakers. Uh, you want to avoid, because yeah, they look, they look tough. And I'm with you. Jacobs banged up short week after playing overtime, too. 10 a.m. body clock game. Mm. It's not an ideal setup, to say the least. Yeah. Yeah, that's right. The, the overtime, the extra, the extra quarter of play too. Yeah. All, okay. So if you want to go to BetMGM, <laughs> um, I think Dalton and I are both taking the under on 47. Would you agree? Yeah. Yes. Yes. Can I, whatever the over is on Darren Waller targets though. Uh, what about him? Only $22 in DFS. I would, I would have a Mia Culpa on my DFS column this week. Having to look at that. You know, I realized that he, that tw- I would have highlighted him because 
21 wide receivers have a higher salary this week in Yahoo than Darren Waller. So you got to, I mean, use the leverage there at tight end. I mean, it feels like a no brainer. I mean, where would he go in fantasy drafts? I mean, he would be right there into the first round with Kelsey, right? I mean, maybe I had a kid. definitely had a Kittle. I mean, yeah. I know you had him. I had a Kittle, but no, like, yeah. I, I, yeah. No. Well, I'd um, have had a Kelsey even. I'm crazy. I, I, the targets run real, man. I mean, you love it. Yeah, I think it's a great nug. Everyone listen to that. If you're if you're using the leverage, 21 wide receivers ahead of Waller in Yahoo DFS's game in the Yahoo DFS game. Saints and Panthers. I, I mean, <laughs> I, I still kind of can't get over everything that happened on Sunday between the Saints and the Packers, but it's not all good for the Saints. Like this to me, Marshawn Lattimore, who had a brace on his arm during that game, has a thumb problem. He's out for a few weeks. There's now like a COVID outbreak among the Saints. Last I looked, there were eight staff that includes players and coaches infected. Um, I believe everybody is vaccinated, so there might be a chance that they'll be able to, because of the protocols and the turnaround, um, to join the team on Sunday. But Michael Thomas is one of them. That's been confirmed. There's five assistant coaches that are on the COVID list right now. So whatever good juju they were able to produce in week one, things are sort of spiraling. And there's also some like ish going around the O-line. This is the kind of game to me when you've got these like weird situations cropping up and you don't have your best cornerback where things can get out of hand and you can see Jameis Winston turn back into a pumpkin. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Because there's a that's a lot of injuries and everything went so perfectly week one in that upset. Yeah, I could I could I could see it too. A road, yeah, the road team and they're favored too. Uh Panthers are feisty. My biggest question for New Orleans is what's up with Marquez Callaway, the biggest helium, one of the bigger helium guys. Yeah. Uh how about the Saints throwing five touchdowns last week and none to him? I mean, that's he was running the routes, you know, like he was up there among mm-hmm. all the receivers mm-hmm. the, 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 uh, with, the, with the Saints leaders there. But boy, that's disappointing. So do you trust him in your lineup this week or no go? No, I don't have him. He is a no go for me. I, I just have like a bad feeling about this game. I think it's going to be an upset. You mentioned that the, the Panthers are frisky. I, I mean, I do think, listen, when you look at this matchup, you think automatically Alvin Kamara, CMC, right? They're the the probably in most rankings, they're the one, two, or three ranked running backs for the week, and for good reason. But there are things around those centerpieces that could ripple out, right? There's a butterfly effect going out on here. And I think I think Sam Darnold's feeling good. I have a, I like I like Robbie Anderson. I know the volume wasn't big, obviously, last week, but he found the end zone. If there's no Lattimore, I could just see Darnold sort of getting his mojo back. This one is at home. There's, you know, the the whole the fans in the stands. And New England is favored by three and a half. I think that you're going to see Darnold air it out a little bit. And he's got that. You also saw the, like, yes, he targeted DJ Moore more, but the chemistry wasn't quite right. Moore was not efficient. And I think Robbie Anderson is going to find the end zone for the second straight week and be used kind of like he was previously, frankly, for one more week at least. I like Robbie Anderson and, you know, despite the Saints actually allowed the fewest fantasy points to running backs last year, but we've highlighted the injuries and McCaffrey was he the number one fantasy back last week, even without scoring. I mean, he's just so, so different. And uh, yet his salary is uh, actually less than Kamara in, in Yahoo DFS. So um, I think his salary, if he stays healthy, is going to be like mid 40s soon. I mean, he's just so different yeah, than sure. all the other backs, even in half PPR, man, he, he just racks up the touches. But um, yeah, the injuries are going to help there mitigate an otherwise tougher looking matchup. And if we're the game flow, maybe it will go their way, as you're saying. I mean, maybe New Orleans is due for more of a dud and, and a Winston game and, and McCaffrey could be playing with the lead. But I, I like the Robbie Anderson call. I mean, the, the connections there the, from the rapport back in the Jets days with him and him and Darnold. That's why I was, you know, concerned when Moore was going five rounds ahead of him in some mm. places. Yeah, I, uh, your friend Vat, Vlad, our friend Vlad always says or likes to say buy the dip. And I certainly bought the dip on Anderson throughout the draft process. Broncos at Jaguars. I mean, you want to talk about dips, man. Jacksonville, this is week two and we're already getting reports that uh, awesome, that Urban Meyer is going to, <laughs> go back to the college ranks you just one week and there's already a already those rumors also getting like alerts on my phone that vets aren't buying in to, uh, to urban meyer like ugh, poor jacksonville I, for a while it was the chargers that needed to sage their facility and now i think we just 
honestly, we need to stage the whole of Florida, but that's a whole nother conversation. Um, <laughs> I want to talk about the Broncos first. We know Jerry Judy. It's been talked about ad nauseum. You talked about it with Matt. Everybody loves Jerry Judy. Yay, 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 yay. Well, he's not going to play for a while. He's dealing with a high ankle sprain. So that to me means Tim Patrick. Tim Patrick, by the way, one of the most underrated receivers constantly. Last year, what happened? Oh, the Broncos lose Court and Sutton early. Who steps up? Tim Patrick. He goes uh, 51 for 742 and 6. There was a bit of a battle between him and Hamler, KJ Hamler, for that third wide receiver spot. But Patrick entered week one ahead of Hamler on the depth chart. He did score the touchdown. Um, he's a nice physical receiver. He's under 20% rostered, only $18 in Yahoo DFS. You've got Trey Herndon of Jacksonville, their cornerback dealing with a knee issue. And the Jaguars, I mean, I'm burying the lead here, gave up 200 yards to the Texans wideouts last week. Totally. I like Tim Patrick and KJ Hamler. I mean, Sutton may not be totally back. I mean, he didn't exactly impress even after Judy went down week one. So unfortunate Judy uh, injury. So yeah, I'm in on, on Patrick and Hamler um, to varying degrees. Hamler had a bad drop last week, but boy, he can, uh, he, he, he uh, definitely has uh, some, some, some potential. Noah Fant, him and Tyler Higby are the two tight ends that get my biggest fantasy risers after week one with Judy going down. I uh, like him in DFS this week as well. Bridgewater is just, you know, boring, but accurate. Something that drew Locke simply wasn't. No, agreed. Um, what are you doing about James Robinson? I don't, four fewer discouraged. carries. Discouraged. Yeah. Four fewer carries than Carlos Hyde in week one. I don't see game script working in his favor. Certainly not this week. I mean, not in that matchup. I don't know ever. Like he's kind of in that RB. He is the new RB dead zone. Like he's RB 25 in our rankings. Like it's not ADP, but it's rankings. But I'm not at all confident. I don't, frankly, when people give me, ask me James Robinson questions, my kind of pat answer has been like, if you need a flex, I would flex him, but I'm going to assume you're, you need a better, higher upside sort of play here to balance out whatever he might not give you. Yeah, it is more of just a flex play. I have him as low 30s as my RB this week. I'm with you. Now, the, the route running was encouraging, and maybe he's going to take over the ETN role, but Carlos Hyde is quite clearly going to be a thing there uh, as long as he's healthy. I mean, <sighs> the, you know, the connection back to Ohio State. So, yeah. Sure, it's, it's sure. That's a great point, Dalton. Especially if he loses the goal line touchdowns. You're yeah, totally no, he signed right. him. I mean, yeah, he's the guy that signed him too. I mean, there was no connection to James Robinson. So yeah, no, the, the Ohio State connection there. And it's a concern for the season, I think, with, with James Robinson. He could still be a flex guy with the catches, but yeah, he might his ADP might 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 not be great. Mm-hmm, might not mm-hmm. look great. Let's move to the PM slate of games. We'll start with this is gonna be an exciting one. The Vikings at the Cardinals. Um, Kyler Murray, this give me all the points. Like I want. All the points that this game has to offer. I did find it surprising that Rondell Moore, I was expecting after week one and after the summer of hype where he, you know, certainly went out there and like there was some proof of concept in his game. He would have a really high added rate, only a plus 4% change in the Yahoo game for Rondell Moore. Does that surprise you? I wonder, yeah, it does. I wonder if Christian Kirk's big game may have mitigated some of that, but I'm with you for Rondell Moore season long. He should be stashed on all benches, the upside there in any competitive league. Yeah, A.J. Green, I mean, I don't, it wasn't too encouraging that that's going to, no. you know, work out there. And, and there's upside of what if DeAndre Hopkins got hurt, gets hurt. I mean, Kyler Murray looked great, and it's clear that the last season's second half's problems were that shoulder injury, and it looks explosive. It's weird that they refuse to move their receivers around unlike any other team, but Rondell Moore upside, and Christian Kirk looks like another ad too. I mean, he looks, he looks in uh, a breakout candidate. Uh, we've just been waiting for that Christian Kirk breakout. I bought into it a couple of times. Uh, I liked him coming out of college, but it, you know, it feels like when we, I think Andy Barron's actually said this and he was like reading my mind as they were talking about it on the pickups pod earlier in the week. Like every time you get excited about Christian Kirk and you add him, then he like goes out and has a dud, but maybe, maybe Cliff has like, put a little extra spice in the sauce and we won't see that anymore. Maybe there's some sustainability, certainly because as you mentioned, AJ Green does not look, you know, he, he looks cooked and, um, and I, and I, I just really like more, like if people are looking for upside stashes, that's who I am going to add everywhere I can. 
And they're the fastest neutral place team or up there. They were oh. the number one last year and they don't throw to their tight end. And Kirk was a 21 year old when he entered the league. So it looks like, you know, he's, it, sometimes it takes just a little bit longer for when, when receivers enter the league younger. So I, I'm kind of in on, on, I was not before the season to be clear. I have him on zero of my too many teams that I talked to, told you about um, zero of him, <laughs> but I, I, I wish I, I, that was a clearly a mistake. Like Kirk is a guy, a, a nice flyer to have on benches. Now I'm with you with more too, but, but I think Kirk is interesting for sure. AJ Green could be dropped in my opinion from christian kirk to kirk cousins i do find this is i do find this interesting so the cardinals are favored by three and a half the vikings we know are going to want to run they're going to want to play keep away all of that their defense did not look like it improved in week one i think kirk is going to have to run we know he's got a little bit of mobility he in super flex leagues, which I love more and more people are playing. And it makes me so happy to get all these super flex questions. And now that there's so much talent at the position, I think Kirk is like inside the top 15. Like he's another one of these, especially in this matchup where we're expecting a lot of points and he could be chasing a little bit. Um, and he's coming off of a, you know, with it, forget the fifth quarter in OT last week. I think before that he had already thrown about 330 yards. He's only, he's only $30 in Yahoo DFS where Kyler Murray, again, worth the money, is $37. So Kyler Murray is everyone's QB1, Yahoo consensus, except yours. He's your he's your QB2. Everyone, the rest of us all have him QB1, whatever. We're splitting hairs. But he is the third most expensive in our daily game behind Tom Brady and Josh Allen at $37. So there's a $7 difference, which is, you know, a decent amount uh, between Kyler and Kirk in this matchup. Yeah, I'm not taking a stand there. He could be my number one very, very easily there. Same <laughs> tier for me. Um, actually, there's a lot of interesting ones like Herbert and Brady are going to go crazy. But well, uh, you'll how get high there, can we'll you rank there, yeah. them given the alternatives? Um, so Kirk Cousins is an un, uh, is a, be- a better real-life player than fantasy for a couple reasons. One is obviously the no running. But the other is Minnesota is the opposite of what I said about Arizona. They're the slowest team in the NFL. So this matchup absolutely could help mitigate that, facing the faster-paced Arizona that should theoretically put up points too. So if you force Captain Kirk to throw the ball more than usual, absolutely, then he becomes a fantasy option. I mean, his YPA last year was uh, was like 8.2 or something. I mean, he's, he's a good player. And obviously, there's Jefferson and Thielen there. Jefferson was robbed of that touchdown last week. But sure, I like uh, Kirk as a, as a QB contrarian play in DFS. You mentioned Tom Brady. Let's get to it. I mean, these last couple of games are super exciting. Falcons at Buccaneers. I think Vegas is, by the way, being a little tongue-in-cheek with us because TB, Tampa Bay, is favored by 12 and the over-under is 52 Perfect. Works perfectly. (laughs) (laughs) So talk about your guy, Rojo. I think he's starting. Oh boy. What am I supposed (laughs) to say? I have no clue what's going to happen. I mean, he could go crazy. One thing I will say is everyone, yes, this does appear to be a smash spot. It's 12 point favorites at home. And I love that, you know, the coach already saying, you know, he's going to start. So, you know, hopefully he's trying to get, build some confidence and he absolutely could be an RB one this week, but Atlanta actually allowed the second fewest rushing yards to running backs last season. So they weren't the, actually maybe the best matchup as it appears because Rojo doesn't add much as a receiver and Brady is going to go nuts. He throws the ball in the end zone as much as any quarterback not named Russell Wilson. I do think, I think, I'm sorry, I'm stealing one of your notes. This is Mike Evans' turn. I feel like Brady's just going to pick his guys like, yep. oh, last week he didn't get his. It's going to be as easy as that. Like, I know that that just seems like a narrative that's silly. Oh no, I think with Brady, he's going to be as simple as that. Oh, he didn't get, it wasn't his turn last week. So now it's going to be Evans' turn. I really, I do. And I'll counter you. I'll give you a contrarian QB. I'll count you. You you said Kirk Cousins and I'll raise you a Matt Ryan. No one wants to use him no. after last week when he looked absolutely awful. And Tampa Bay looks like a tough matchup on paper. But let me tell you, Tampa Bay was the number one pass funnel defense last year. And Dallas threw it 58 times week one. Having a really strong run defense means the other team has to throw the ball a lot. So Matt Ryan's going to have to throw the ball 60 times this week. So give me Cal, give me Calvin Ridley, give me Kyle Pitts, and give me a dirt cheap uh, Matt Ryan uh, rostered nowhere in DFS. I have no desire to touch Matty Ice, but you do make a really good point about the funnel defense. And just to piggyback on top of that, Sean Murphy bunting on IR with that elbow issue, Rock, Ross Cockrell, man, he's 30 years old. like, And he is a sieve, so I feel like, this could be, you know, we we liked when it was a little exciting. Kyle Pitts, like, okay, okay, Calvin Ridley. I think there's a large possibility that they both break out. Like, I don't want to say that Calvin Ridley hasn't already broken out, but like break out in this new look Falcon squad in week two against the Buccaneers. 
Kyle Pitts was the air yards were there. The inline yeah. routes were there. Like it's all the stuff you wanted to see from a tight end. I'm encouraged moving forward. Having said that though, Arthur Smith, I was like all in and, and Tennessee turned into a disaster without him as feared, but man, he was running the ball on third and 10 a couple times and not doing the play action. And, and it was as it, it was a difference between being a play caller and a head coach. And sometimes mm-hmm. the same person's not great at both. And I fear that that might be the latter there, but I'm still going to remain encouraged about Kyle Pitts and Calvin Ridley, but definitely paying attention to this Arthur Smith situation. And it's also possible that Matt Ryan might just be cooked, but then it's like, boy, Kyle Pitts better be the best tight end in the history of the world for, for passing on <laughs> Justin Fields and Mac Jones. I mean, I mean, you know, I mean, to well, take a tight end over those two QBs. is. You also make the something. point though, like uh, even if a play caller and H, even if there's a big difference between an OC and an HC, like, he's still an offensively-minded guy. And if they're down, like, there's an offensive coordinator in the pros who is more than two scores or, I don't know, even two scores down that isn't like we need to pass, right? Like, that that's just how it goes. And I do think that Tampa Bay has enough firepower as they demonstrated, not just in week one, but all of 2020, to, like, put another team in a hole fast. So I just think that it, logic, like, not even getting cute or fancy or savvy dictates that Arthur Smith is gonna be like all right well go out there and like chuck it man I, I don't know what to tell you um speaking of chucking it oh my gosh this is the game I am the most excited for and it's not just because of Eckler's edge but the Cowboys at the Chargers mm-hmm. to me second highest over under of the week at 55 and a half going to be a points bonanza Cowboys defense like in bad shape Demarcus Lawrence out Randy Gregory out You've got uh, Michael Gallup. That's obviously an offensive player on the short-term IR. You've got Zach Martin returning. What does this all mean? It means to me that there are going to be a ton of passing opportunities for a nice, narrow passing tree between CeeDee Lamb and Amari Cooper. And you're going to see Zeke not having to get in there and block, but run like hell. And also catch a couple of passes. Man, so uh, Cowboys probably going to have home field advantage in this game is my guess. CD Lamb, just 23 in Yahoo DFS. Fire him up, especially with Gallup yep. out of there. Amari Cooper, an, an option. But what about Eckler? I mean, just insane. Zero targets, but the I, goal line carries. I mean, just so bizarre. Football, that's football. So you no, know? but yeah. it's, it's interesting how both of these teams in week one had similar situations because we saw Zeke in there blocking because of Martin and obviously against the Bucks defensive front, like they're trying to keep Dak clean. Well, I asked Austin in Eckler's Edge and that episode went live on Thursday, so go check it out. First thing I asked him was like, bro, What's up with no targets in the passing game? Not a single ball like Joe Lombardi, Alvin Kamara, the over under 100 catches. What's the deal? And he was like, well, if you haven't taken a notice, like (laughs) Chase Young is a pretty tough defender. Like (laughs) the Washington football team can bring the heat. And our job is to keep our quarterback safe. That is my number one job. So he said he was in there chipping nonstop and that they just like believed in they wanted to keep Justin Herbert in the pocket, they wanted to keep him clean and they wanted to give him enough time to reach Williams, who I know you said you really liked his usage in the opener and feed Keenan Allen. And that was it. But I think it's encouraging that we saw Austin Eckler at the goal line. That to me coming off of that hamstring scare means that they feel like he is healthy. And he, by the way, told me personally that he was healthy and he didn't injure himself on Thursday. He actually felt a tweak on Monday. And then was just sort of like pulled himself from practice because it was the same hamstring that bothered him the week, the, the season before. And so it was like, ah, precaution. It was truly precautionary. He was fine. He hit the goal line and he is guaranteeing receptions this week because he's not anticipating that he'll need to, especially as I've mentioned, all of the defensive woes in Dallas to block nearly as much or to chip nearly as much. So, so some mirroring between Zeke and Austin uh, in week one. We should probably see some mirroring in week two, by the way. They're like ranked number RB10 and RB11 in like the Yahoo consensus rankings, by the way. I have your uh, Eckler actually seven this week. I'm bullish, Sean. I love so many points to be scored in this matchup. And yeah, I think the targets are going to be there. I mean, uh, Herbert targeted the running back quite a bit last week. And then Mike Williams was my, uh, pr- the, 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 um, the bold prediction went with, I said, he's going to be mm. a top 15 fantasy wide out this week. I think his ECR is outside the top 30 man, 12 targets. 
I should have got him in more leagues. It really is does look like he's going to take over the Michael Thomas role in the Lombardi offense. If he, I mean, he's the guy with more upside than even Keenan Allen because of his red zone ability. I know he's disappointed before and is always hurt because he's jumping for those deep balls, but they used him, you know, sometimes a lower A dot is a good thing. And in this case, it is for Mike Williams. If Mike Williams sees close to double digit targets a game, he's going to not just be a top 15 receiver this week. He's going to be a top 15 fantasy wideout all season with Justin Herbert throwing the ball. I also think I love that take. And I think as dusty as people want to believe it to be, Jared Cook in this offense, like tied to Justin Herbert, and particularly in this game, we keep talking about the points that we anticipate being scored, is an absolute stream. Like he ran 28 routes in week one. That was the tight end seven for the week. Like we love that. This is a really friendly uh, a friendly offense. He is $13 in Yahoo DFS, and he is only 32% rostered right now. Yep like him as well there'll be a lot of points in this game for sure man back and forth this get everyone i could really uh really stack this game on both sides in dfs mm-hmm. for sure mike williams a former number seven overall pick let's not forget and playing for a new contract that fifth year guy Ooh, man I'm, I'm i wish i had more of him it was, it was so obvious in hindsight <laughs> titans at seahawks um we're anticipating at least i'm anticipating that ryan Tannehill rebounds from the six sacks five that came at the hands of Chandler Jones in week one, mm-hmm. Taylor Luan's exposure, if you will. Um, because let's be honest, like the Seahawks don't have a defensive line that's known for generating that much pressure, at least in the current era. Yes. Uh, I actually said fade Derrick Henry, though, in DFS in my column in this. Seahawks did have a number seven run defense DVOA, and it's just so game script dependent. And I'm worried about this lack of play action and Todd Downey now calling the plays, no Arthur Smith. Um, I mean, Tennessee you want to buy low. They should play better for sure. But man, you go into Seattle. When's the last time they've had fans there? Uh, I, I personally, I ranked Chris Carson ahead of Derrick Henry, and, and he's he's obviously a lower salary in DFS. So I mean, I would go oh. that route. I think the the Seattle's going to be the team playing with the lead in the second half here. And, and you know, and Henry's. I mean, I, what do you think? Is that is that is that too much? Is that going too far? I, I mean. I- Listen, Dalton, the thing I love most about your analysis and honestly, the thing I love doing, uh, the reason I love doing this show with you the most is because you really believe in your takes and you're not afraid. Like, I think a lot of us hedge, if I'm being totally honest, like this is a peek behind the curtain. I think a lot of us are like, oh, I just don't want to get, I don't want to get like flamed on social. So I'm just like, I'll be like, this is the floor option, but you don't do that. And I appreciate it. And it always makes me think. So I I mean, I don't think I'm going to do that in my rankings, but I do think as someone who has Carson rostered a lot of places, (laughs) I think it's an interesting take. I do think that the Titans are obviously going to try to play keep away. You mentioned like the differential, but the Seahawks are favored by six. So, you know, the Titans, I think, are going to try to start with Derrick Henry. Is Derrick Henry special enough of a player that in the first quarter when his usage is the highest, which is most likely, will he be able to do enough? Probably. And that's why I'll lean towards him. But I do understand. I, I would not be surprised if the production was close. I'll say that between Harry, uh, Henry and Carson. I think this is more to me telling about whether or not the receivers add real value to the Titans. Because we are anticipating Tannehill, both of us are, is going to have to pass, right? Like, And this is a guy who had his biggest success, like, I don't know, with a hundred going under a hundred yards. And it was all Derrick Henry, right? Like 14 pass attempts, 20 pass attempts. Like that was what we saw when the uh, Titans started to like raise their profile. Again, you're right under Arthur Smith, but I think we're going to have to see if Tannehill has it. And if Julio adds something, because this should be the week where Julio does get more action, especially if AJ Brown has been dealing with that, like soft tissue stuff for a minute isn't totally right or like re-aggravate something in the game. Yeah, and as many people pointed out for Julio, he's never going to be healthier than week one now. And I guess the same could be true week two. But um, I don't know if that wor- totally worked considering he might have been rusty with sitting out so much time. But um, I think you're rolling with the, with the receivers, no question, in a game that could develop in them having to pass a lot in the second half. And that's a narrow tree. I mean, who's the third guy there? And Ferkser is not no. developing as, as fantasy managers had hoped. So, um, so yeah, you're rolling with A.J. Brown and Julio. And then on the flip side, I just got to say, man, poor Rashad Penny. It didn't take him to uh, the, the injury oh. Guys, Mostert, and then Penny already out in week you know, the first week. So yeah, that's again another one though for for Carson. It's going to get the heavy workload. Yeah, I think probably I would keep an eye on Alex Collins. Honestly, uh-huh. he, he had really yeah. good um, r- reports out of camp over the summer. 
buzzy player, familiarity, obviously, with the team. So uh, it wouldn't surprise me to see him have a decent showing, especially if the Seahawks, like if the Seahawks are leading the way we anticipate, then there should be a good amount of resting, trying to bubble wrap, wrap Carson because of his durability issues and letting the number two guy run. I anticipate that'll be Collins. So I have a feeling that Collins will be on the waiver wire pickups ad heading into, you know, Tuesday or Monday or Tuesday of next week. All right. This is the game that everyone's excited by. Like, let's just get to it. It's the Chiefs at Ravens, the highest over-under of the week at 56. We are expecting, let's talk about the Chiefs first. On defensively, we're expecting Honey Badger to be back. So now that's all we need to talk about the Chiefs because honestly, everything else is about the Ravens and how they're going to manage to keep up here. There is so, I don't know, like talk about the charmed city. There is a curse on Baltimore right now. There's another injury. Cornerback Chris Westry tore his meniscus you're the secondary has been decimated by injuries. We know about the backfield hurting. Also, what is the position that is most important to this uh, other than the quarterback to this squad? It's running the ball. And now Tyson had 35 Tyson Williams had 35 snaps in week one. Latavius Murray had 21. The team elevated Devonta Freeman, who, by the way, Latavius Murray beat out. In New Orleans, right? Like Latavius Murray beat out Devonta Freeman. Freeman was cut first. Murray didn't want him more money than the Saints were willing to give him. So he goes to Baltimore. He's getting on to speed. 21 snaps compared to Tyson Williams, 35. We saw Tyson Williams miss a couple of times. Like the timing between Jackson and the backfield was off. They were clearly trying to get on the same page. And now you've got Greg Roman saying he's going to rotate guys. I don't buy that, honestly. Like I think that this is going to be a backfield led by Latavius Murray and Lamar Jackson. And they lost Ronnie Stanley too, their left yeah. tackle. That's certainly not ideal. Um, Williams was just totally disappeared after he whiffed on a, on a, on a block on Monday Makes night. Sense. Yeah. And Murray, Murray could be the guy. Uh, of course, Jackson will take a lot of the goal line touchdowns and it could just delve into a committee situation. I'll tell you one thing. I'm not worried about Freeman or Le'Veon Bell no. getting into the mix. I do think it is one of those, or it is those two Williams and Murray and then, uh, yeah, Sammy Watkins. It'll be interesting to see if he's just his, his usual week one blow up and then disappear or if it's different now in, in Baltimore. But, yeah, that, there's a lot of injuries in Baltimore, man. They just they, they remind me of my Niners last season. I mean, it's just one after the other there. I mean, their left tackle going down now is uh, is is yeah, that's a major issue. So where are you ranking Jackson with all of this? Oh, he's right there. So, I mean, that, God, there's so many good options, as we said. Like, even Russell Wilson's going to go crazy. I think he's my fifth QB this week. I, I mean, he's going to be – he's totally fine. I know the fumbles last week, but he runs more than any QB, and he's going to be their entire offense. I mean, he's going to do all, kick all the touchdowns. Yeah. The loss of running backs there may even help his fantasy value. So, no, I mean, Jackson's a Tier 1 fantasy Q, QB for me every week pretty much. I really wish it wasn't a short week because I'd love to see him at his peak powers given the – unpeak powers that the whole offense will be at you know I just like to see him be able to like really take the load but this is an exciting one um it's going to be a good matchup and I last time Patrick Mahomes faced the Ravens he was the QB one for the week so it does I don't doubt that he can do that again his career numbers in September are silly. He's undefeated, no interceptions, a million touchdowns. Uh, I, I am curious about my guy, Miko Hardman, who clearly ran like the number two receiver. The routes were up, but the targets did not follow. Yeah. It just looks so money in Kansas City if you have just it, the, the, the three guys. I mean, it's just all Kelsey Hill and Mahomes. It's just, it throws it to, and he's the best QB. So it's a nice little setup there if you do have those guys because even Hardman winning the number two job, it looks like he's not able to produce any fantasy value. You know, not unlike, I guess, what Sammy Watkins was like the last few years too last game of the slate it is monday night the packers looking to get right against the lions they will host detroit and they are favored by 11 and a half things already not looking good for the lions not only did they lose akuda their first round pick cornerback last week they're not quote optimistic about tyrell williams for week two because of a concussion yikes and both their backs are banged up, too. Uh, the, the Jamal Williams dealing with a chest injury. DeAndre Swift dealing with his groin injury. Obviously not ideal, given it's a Monday night game. And DeAndre Swift is a must-start if he plays. 
Um, so you got to just pay attention to that. Nothing, yeah, nothing we can add to that now. This is a situation to monitor. Jamal Williams is getting um, on he, the field. Jamal Williams is all about this it's revenge, a revenge game. game huh? Oh, yeah, on. it's definitely a revenge. Yeah, yeah, he looked good too. Uh, TJ Hawkinson, I have ranked as this my third uh, fantasy tight end uh, moving forward ahead of Kittle, just because I mean he's just going to get all the targets. I mean, uh, just all the targets there. Uh, so um, and then on the flip side, Green Bay. I already mentioned my guy MVS, Aaron Rodgers. Uh, he's probably just going to have a massive, gigantic, huge bounce back right after an F game. Or, or was that a symptom of a bigger problem? And, and all of summer, him missing actually matters. And this team is flawed. Bakhtiari's not back at left tackle. Their defense Lindsley, was, was never as good. So yeah. So what, what what's your take here? Because I could see it either way. I could see them blowing them out, and they're back. You know, it's a bad week one. Who cares? They've had their duds before. Or oh no. The Packers are in a lot of trouble. I could see either. I am anticipating that if ever there was a a bounce back spot, this is it. So it will be illuminating. I'm going to proceed as though week one was a blip and move from there. I do think the biggest winner, whether they're losing or not, is A.J. Dillon. Like, that guy should be rostered. I was surprised he was as rostered as he was, honestly. Like, if Green Bay does roll and bounce back, we saw the 49ers run all over the Lions last week, put up all kinds of like rushing yards against Detroit. And Aaron Jones, I think like we know also that LaFleur loves to like work in a tandem backfield. He's not always like just a one guy guy. And, you know, obviously he drafted AJ Dillon. So there's some fondness, I think there, especially with Williams out the door. I think that AJ Dillon could have like a really nice RB three week right? He's in that flex range for me. I like him in DFS as well. I think that's the player that I'm going to be keeping an eye on from like a moving forward standpoint. But if they fall apart, then we gotta, then we gotta, we gotta talk about it. Then we have to like dissect why and maybe be willing to change our opinions about a lot of things. I'm with you with Dylan being a flex play. I have him right around Jamal Williams. Uh, the, the Lions allowed the most fantasy points to running backs last year. And the game script could be highly favorable. It's 12, 12 and a half point uh, favorite. So, uh, yeah, Dylan is definitely, definitely an option. And the Lions are coming off a crazy week to saw him play, you know, run nearly 90 plays, getting that onside kick and the lost Debo fumble. But um, Goff made it happen. But, man, it's so weird, that situation there with the wide receivers, especially if Ty- Tyrell Williams has to miss this game, which it looks like. That is thin there. So Hawkinson and Swift, man, every game looking at double-digit targets. Love it, love it, love it. Well, I mean, I'm not a Lions fan, so... I can say that. And I have a lot of Jamal Williams everywhere. So that is going to do it for Dalton and I this week. Uh, thank you guys so much for listening. You can follow me on Twitter at Liz Loza underscore FF. That is at Dalton Del Don. You can follow the whole crew at Yahoo Fantasy. Matt and TJ Hernandez will be back with a bonus Saturday DFS pod tomorrow. Until then, good luck. And we're out. Look around. You can find cars like these on AutoTrader. Like that car riding your tail. Or if you're tailgating right now, all those cars doubling as kitchens and living rooms are on AutoTrader too. Are you working out and listening to this ad at the same time? Well, multitasking pro, cars like the ones in the gym parking lot are for sale on AutoTrader. New cars, used cars, electric cars, maybe even flying cars. Okay, no flying cars, but as soon as they get invented, they'll be on AutoTrader. Just you wait. AutoTrader.